Hello and welcome to Life with Fire podcast, the podcast that explores our relationship with wildfire and how we can better coexist with it in the future. I'm your host, Amanda Montai, and before we get too deep into this, I want to apologize for the audio quality on this. I am home in Michigan and I forgot my nice recording setup. Uh, so we're just going to work with the microphone on the computer and it sounds a little fuzzy and we're just going with it because it's what we have. Um, but today we have your second episode of the Mystery Ranch Backbone series, um, our series that was sponsored by Mystery Ranch and supported by the American Wildfire Experience. In our first episode that we did with Junior Lazaro, we kind of explained a little bit of the background of the Backbone series. Um, but in short, it is uh, coordinated through the American Wildfire Experience, which is run by a good friend of mine, Bethany Hanna, and she does some really cool work to amplify the stories of wildland firefighters and especially of wildland firefighters who are often underrepresented in media around wildland fire. And so uh, this project, the Backbone series more generally, is kind of made just to amplify the stories of wildland firefighting and the stuff that's happening on the ground. And it is coordinated through Mystery Ranch, which is a sponsor of ours. And um, that's why we're really excited to be a part of this whole project to help share and amplify these stories to as broad of an audience as possible. So thanks to Mystery Ranch for this opportunity to help out with this. Thanks to American Wildfire Experience for coordinating this project. I think it's really cool. Um, And yeah, pretty excited to be involved. Uh, Today's episode is with Riston Bullock. Riston is a wildland firefighter with the Nez Perce tribe in Idaho and kind of got involved in wildland fire similarly to Junior who we had on a couple weeks ago uh, through family kind of had seen family members working in fire and became really interested in it through the course of his teenage years and eventually got on a wildland crew uh, fresh out of high school when he was 18 and he tells us a little bit about how he got into wildland fire and he speaks about kind of the challenges that he's starting to face especially as he's gotten into his late 20s he has two sons um, he has a wife so all of the challenges that kind of come with wildland firefighting as you start to get a little older and get more commitments and have more of a family life and things like that. So we spoke about that. Riston also shared some of the challenges that the Nez Perce tribe is having in building capacity for wildland firefighting on the reservation itself. And finally, we spoke about an incident that Riston was involved in last summer with a fatality on a wildfire. So trigger warning, if that sounds like something that you might not be interested in hearing about, We don't actually start talking about that topic until the end of the episode at around minute 15. Just a heads up. He does go into some detail about that experience and just how he's been able to process it in the sort of aftermath of experiencing something really traumatic on a wildfire. All right, let's get into the episode. Uh, Once again, just a huge thank you to Mystery Ranch for running the Backbone Series and the Backbone Scholarship and to the American Wildfire Experience for prioritizing stories from the field in wildland firefighting. Thanks for listening as always, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So Riston, I would just love to get an introduction to you and to your fire experience and your background a little bit, whatever you'd like to share. Okay, well, hello, my name is Riston Bullock. I am a firefighter here at the Nespers Tribe Forestry and Fire Management in Lapway, Idaho. I've been doing fire for 10 years, doing a type 2 IA hand crews that we've had here and uh, interagency hand crews between the Forest Service and the state guys here in Idaho. Mostly an engine guy, but definitely got my experience here and there. My current position right now, I'm the lead engine operator for our forestry fire operations we have here. Let's talk a little bit 
about how you found your way into fire, actually, and where that interest first came from. Okay, well, my interest in fire definitely came from family. My uncles, my dad, my brother, all were kind of wildland firefighters on, I think, just kind of forest service and our tribal fire here in Lapway. But um, kind of watching them grow up. And even before I turned 18, my uncle Norman, he had like a water tender. and We would go out and go help. And my current foreman today, he ended up kicking me off the fire because I was too young. But yeah, I had some previous fire experience before I was 18. And I wasn't too sure I was going to do it. But as I turned 18 and graduated high school, I jumped right into it. I didn't go to college. But now this fall, I will be attending U of I for my wildland fuel and fire science degree, two years of associates. But yeah, definitely family got me in lists and just the love for being outdoors as well. Yeah, that's really nice to hear that you're going to get that degree and that you're going to sort of formalize that a little bit. How does that align with your objectives for your career or for the future? You know, I love to be a ground pounder here in fire. I've always loved to be on the front lines, but um, coming with age of 10 years now, I'm 28 years old and I got two boys, seven-year-old and a three-year-old. As I'm getting older here, I'm realizing it's becoming tougher to leave home and go on these fire calls. I'm hoping to kind of get more into either a fuels or an FMO position, but even that comes with more work, but I can't always be on this uh, ground pounder level. I know it's kind of getting to me. I've kind of been injured here and there, but yeah, I'm hoping to kind of get more to an office job as I kind of get my degree here. Yeah, that's interesting. I am curious, are your boys really interested in fire too? My youngest, he definitely is my oldest boy. He's kind of more into video gaming right now, but I'm hoping he's going to grow out of that. <laughs> he likes to talk about it. He asks me questions. He's really interested about it. And my youngest is always coming over and he wants to jump in the engine and stuff like that. I talk to him about what I can, what they understand. Yeah, I love that. I'm curious. I ask a lot of tribal members this, especially, but I'm curious if there is a presence of fire in the tribal community and if there is sort of a building presence of like the importance of wildfire, the importance of fire, incorporating the youth and kind of building up this sort of cultural fire infrastructure. Is that something that's happening in Lapway or in the Nez Perce tribe more generally? Um, no, it seems like our fire programs definitely kind of died down. Um, my first few years, we had the Type 2 IA fire crew. We've been kind of gotten this new fire physical. I don't know. Everybody else I've asked, they don't have to do this fire physical. But um, a lot of people didn't want to take it and come back here. So now we've just been down to just the engine crew. And there was a pretty big interest back in the day. Nowadays, we only got six fire guys. And then we got a handful of militia guys in the forestry that come over and help when they can. But it's been kind of dwindling down. So we're not actually like BIA all the way. We're what's called a 638 contract. So we use a little bit of BIA funding, like Coeur d'Alene or Warm Springs or the ones I've been with down in Arizona, San Carlos or Pima. Those ones are all BIA and they got the funding to have multiple engines and they cover their whole reservation. So us as the Nespers tribe, we only cover a tenth of our reservation. And these engines that we are funded for are supposed to be for trust lands. And we don't even get to touch our trust, our fee, or allotments throughout the reservation here. It's just this little 10% of our reservation that we get to cover. And there's a majority of the ground where we know we can get to some of these fires faster and some of these other fire agencies that surround us here. It's kind of a sad deal. Something to do with, um, in the past, lines were drawn. 
and don't know the full story, so I won't go into it too much. Because I know in the past, before me, my foreman and them, they used to cover the whole reservation that kind of expanded into like our precious lands that were kind of outside of here and stuff like that. I could go into that a little bit too, but I don't really have an actual map of where that would be right now. Yeah, it's all good. That was kind of what I was looking for. That was a great answer. I am curious, you kind of mentioned earlier that this job is growing a little like less sustainable for you and that you're kind of looking for that way to move into more of an office role or more of a leadership role. I'm curious if you would maybe talk a bit about what you felt makes this job somewhat unsustainable or somewhat more difficult, especially as you have a family, especially as you get a little older. Now, I guess the toughest thing for me is uh, my kids and my fiance just having a family back home when I'm out on these two week, 21 day rolls, you know, and it's just a long time being from home. You're missing out on things during the summer. And sometimes this goes into the school year. You're missing out on awards and sports and stuff like that. That's the thing that hurts me the most nowadays. Um, I had my first kid in 2016 and I started fire in 2013 before it was really easy. But now with the kids and as they get older and they get real sad and it kind of makes me sad. I don't really want to be from home and they really miss me when I come home and then they're sad when I got to go. I do step up a lot here to be able to kind of get on the engine and get out here because we're so short staffed. Like I said, we're only just around the corner here from our fire shop. So me and I got my sister-in-law that fights fire with us here. So we're always stepping up and we kind of hit these fires as fast as we can in our area. And that makes it tough as well. The boys always see us leaving and yeah, it's tough. I can only imagine. I did this job without a family and it was always very, I don't know, it was always saddening to see the guys that did have families, you know, when that late August, early September rolls around and they're missing like first day of kindergarten, first, yep. first this, first that, award ceremony, last day of school, all these things. It was always a bummer to see them experiencing that and to be like, lamenting that almost to the rest of the crew. I can only imagine how difficult that is. But what has kept you in fire this long? What keeps you around? What's engaging about it to you? For me, like I said, I love the ground pound. I love to be in the action. I love just kind of going more into, I guess, a leadership role on these fires here. I've been working on more qualifications on my card. I'm an IC4 right now, hoping to start working towards my faller one here soon. I'm an engine boss here, and I guess my next role would probably be a task force or something. I want to just keep crawling the ranks here and pushing for it. But like I said, it is still tough to leave home and get these kind of assignments and get it done too as well. Yeah, just being in the front line and in the action is always what keeps me in fire. And also protecting the community here at home is also a big thing. Is there a way that you could see this job being more sustainable? Any changes that you could perceive being beneficial to keeping people around, to, to even bringing people on in the first place? Maybe support systems that you haven't had or that you would like to see? Um, anything to that effect? So here within our tribe, fisheries is a big program and they're always getting out advertising, talking to the kids in school. When I was in high school, I never heard anything about fire. I was the one who had to reach out and come and find this. I wish our department as a whole would get into more of the job searching community and even the high schools and the schools and just talking to them and, you know, and just kind of introducing fire and kind of what it is and at an early stage and kind of getting them interested is something I wish we could have did. I remember as a kid, there was a couple of times, he's like my uncle, he was the engine boss here in Foreman. He would come to the school and they would squirt us with water and stuff. I remember that really early age, but after that, I don't ever remember seeing him there, but I kind of wish 
our department would kind of engage more with our community and stuff. Recently, we did lose a couple of houses here in our town of Lapway, and I felt like that might have sparked some interest. People were kind of contacting me and wondering how to get into fire here or even who to talk to with our volunteer fire department in Lapway and just stuff like that. I mean, I'm hoping that it sparked an interest so we can start drawing in more people that house fire it was kind of tough because we were the first ones on scene and being volunteers you know they can only respond from their job and it takes them a while and we were all first ones on scene and i mean i know wildland firefighters are not supposed to fight structure fires but being my community and my family here and my people it was kind of tough not to just stand there and just do anything so we ended up helping with that and it was kind of an interesting time when that happened there but like I said, though, that kind of sparked people's interest, which I'm hoping maybe next year we might have a better turnout. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. If you could tell me and whatever you feel comfortable talking about with relation to the essay, that would be awesome. And maybe a little background on the story itself and the essay itself. Okay. The reason why I came up with this story, I was going through the list of topics for the Backbone Scholarship here. And I think it was the saddest day on fire. You know, everybody has tough days on fires and stuff like that, but this was my last fire of last year, 2022 season. We were first ones on scene on to the Craig Mountain IDL district because they were off on another fire. I can't remember what the reason was, but we were leaving our work zone area. I can't remember if this was October or September. It's kind of getting late in the season for us there. We weren't expecting much, but it was a burn. The winds kind of just did a 180 on them and it got away from the farmers. It was just farmers burning. And I don't know how many people were on scene. We were responding. We packed up our saws and we were responding, just me and one other person from our crew here. You could hear something medical came across the radio. Somebody got burned. It wasn't too specific, but it was just, they kept saying somebody was burned. We were coming, you know, as quick as we possibly and safely could. We were first ones on scene as fire with the county sheriff there. And we were just kind of getting ready to get into our fire gear and go fight the fire and one of the farmers, they came up to us and, hey, we've got somebody over here. They're burned. And I'm a wilderness first responder. Well, I don't think it's called that anymore. It's called a medical incident technician now. But um, I just instantly kind of snapped into my training there. Well, at first I was asking, well, how bad was it? And he just kind of kept telling me it's bad. It's bad. And I was just trying to prepare myself. I grabbed my medical kit and the backboard. My buddy that was with me, I won't say his name. Yeah, I could see he was kind of preparing himself like for what we we're going to come up to and see, you know, and so the sheriff was heading over there. He got over there before me, the sheriff did, and I was the next one. And then there's another sheriff. She got there just right after me. I just kind of got a glimpse of the body. Um, this was an 86 year old farmer. He was riding over the hill on his four wheeler. And I think he rolled his four wheeler and the fire came around, burned him over. I didn't get to see the body. I mean, I got a glimpse of it and I seen how it was laying and the officer just told me that, you know, it was no good and he didn't make it. You know, that was a tough part of it, but the toughest part was after we realized, you know, this man was gone, we were walking back up to the rig and I was on the phone with dispatch letting them know what was going on, requesting the appropriate resources we need to get the body out of there, off the scene there, talking with the counties and everything. It was a lot to take in. I was the first one back up the hill there. This gentleman pulled up on a four-wheeler. I didn't know what to expect. I was just like, how's it going? You know, this guy, all he said was, that was my father. Uh, I just kind of, being the first one there, you know, it was tough. And 
having to tell him that, you know, he didn't make it. That was probably the toughest thing for me. It wasn't seeing the body or anything like that. It was having to tell the family members and being the first one there. He just broke down right there. And, you know, I'm not trained for any of that. The sheriff came up, he did the same exact thing, but I kind of already let him know. But that was the toughest thing for me was just seeing his son come up and just realize his dad was gone, you know, not too long after that, I see the fire take care of everything, ordering the appropriate resources. And I think it was a daughter or something showed up on scene as well. And I could just hear her just crying up on top of the hill there. And I just, those two moments right there was the hardest part and the saddest part of that fire for me, you know, just kind of hearing their cries for their father or their relative on that fire. I ended up taking the fire. I called in an IC3 right away. Um, I was only an IC4 trainee at the time. Called in the appropriate resources, got air resources on scene and got the engines on scene there. We took care of the fire. There was really no need for an IC3. We ended up getting it done by that time. I was expecting it to be way worse because we kind of just let it go with that whole medical incident there. And um, we ended up catching it at the bottom of the canyon there. And it could have been really bad. But it was kind of nice. There was a stream down there. We were able to stop it. I think it was about 75 acres by the time we caught it all. IC3 got there. He took it over, called it a night that night. I think they left a couple of resources out there. And that night, the son, he came back to me and he just talked to me for a little bit. And, you know, I appreciate you for telling me. I just told him, I, you know, I'm not trained for this. I didn't know how to tell you any of that. He's like, well, even if you weren't going to tell me, I was going to get it out of you one way or another because I kind of already knew it was bad. And he just shook my hand. And, you know, it was good to talk to him. And, he said he was kind of glad his dad went out that way in a way just because he was already older. And I can't remember exactly the words on how he said that, but I think it was him. It might have been somebody else saying something like that because 86 years old, he was up there in a way. But Wow, I am so sorry you experienced that, though. And to be put in that position as a firefighter, uh, that's just like such an awful place to be, such an awful situation to be in. Yeah, I was asked by, I can't remember who it was because... I even got called by the air attack afterwards. Some other, I can't remember who it was. It sounded like some higher ups asking if I needed to go to like these classes, you know, like PTSD kind of stuff there. And I told them I was okay. I was, all I was doing that whole fire was just trying to stay busy, you know, and fight the fire and do what I can where I can. It did bug me for like the next couple of weeks. I still think about it from time to time. When I talk about it, I mean, I still get kind of choked up just kind of thinking about it. I mean, it's tough for anybody to probably have to go through something like that. You know, I mean, I've talked to my FMO and he said it happens on fires. You know, you don't know when or where it's going to happen, but it happens. Nobody's ever prepared for that. And I totally felt that there. But that fire, that was the one that signed me off as an IC4 last year. So I wish it were different circumstances, but that was the one that got me signed off. Wow. Yeah. Have you gone through any of those processing practices, like any sort of therapy or those classes that you mentioned? Have you taken them up on those offers? No, no, I didn't go through with any of them. I mean, like I said, I've been fine. I do think about it. I do talk about it with people. I'm not a really closed guy. I will talk about it with people. And That's good. Like I said, I got my sister-in-law here who works with me. My uh, fiance, she's also works in our same department. She comes over to fire when we need her or she's mainly forestry. It's funny because I always say, you know, off-season forestry, she's my boss. But when she comes over to fire, I'm her boss. So. <laughs> and people always joke with me, well, she's the boss at home, right? I'm like, yeah, she's the boss at home. So, <laughs> But um, yeah, it's nice. It's a pretty tight-knit group here. So I'm really close with a lot of my guys here on the crew. We're all, you know, really close. Even our new guy is um, 
my sister-in-law and my fiance's little cousin. So it's really close in the community here, but we also hoping we can expand more. And we got three engines here and we only got six people and it's kind of tough to man all those engines, especially when, you know, it's the summertime and people kind of do want days off here and there, but it's so little pickings from the crew here. That's all we have for you today. Just a real quick episode. Um, and uh, once again, want to thank the uh, American Wildfire Experience for running this project, this series, and for the uh, for Mystery Ranch for supporting it and for supporting the podcast. Um, just a heads up that we have been pretty busy with other work over the last few months, and we have like seven episodes that we are really excited to release over the next couple of months um, as we get into the new year. So look forward to that and uh, keep an eye out for that because... We've been stacking episodes since like last July with really cool folks and we have just not had, t- had time to get them out. So um, we're, we're excited to start releasing new episodes again. And we also have some contributors that are going to be releasing some episodes with us and just a lot of stuff to look forward to in the new year with Life Fire Podcast. So hopefully you stick around for that. Um, in the meantime, thanks for listening as always. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks.